I'm sad that our time outside for the year has ended. My mom asked this morning when it was raining earlier why we were going to be in the gym instead of just be in the sanctuary. And the truth is, there's no good reason. I just wanted to sneak in one more week of preaching in shorts. (laughs) Because as much as I love our sanctuary, my favorite spot at Bethany is our courtyard. I've spent as much time as I could there this summer, pulling weeds and digging for worms with Nola, playing kickball with my nephew, adding birds to my yard list. I'm a birder, visitors. This summer, I got a yellow-bellied sapsucker in that tree that we're usually under. On nice evenings when I had a meeting scheduled, if everyone was game, we moved it out to the steps sitting on the ground as neighbors brought their dogs by or kids raced toward the playground on their bikes. It helped me think in a different way. It gave me a different kind of energy. It made the meetings more fun, at least for me. It made it feel more like friends talking on the front porch. The courtyard has that like, good porch quality, a place where neighbors meet, a place for lingering conversation between or before or after business, a place where people bump into each other unexpectedly and connections are made. This week I I wrote a devotion for our denomination's daily devotional about a recent Wednesday night when at least five different groups were meeting at church. Suzuki violin students were practicing their scales and Al-Anon folks were offering each other support and the basketball team from Pilgrim Lutheran was in here and then they passed it off to a juggling group because apparently we're like very connected with circus folks, which is amazing. (laughs) And in the backyard of the parsonage, there were 12 of us singing in four-part harmony with music that makes community and one person made us go in the front yard and dance, which was a little mortifying, but it's fine. (laughs) And all of us passing through the courtyard, stopping to talk with friends from our group or from another, all those little conversations that begin, oh, by the way, or "You, you got a sec? And find us still there half an hour later wondering where the time has gone. So as the calendar pages change again, I find that I'm already anticipating the loss of that courtyard space, missing that lingering time with each other. I know I've mentioned it in nearly every sermon this summer, but in the Book of Delights by the poet Ross Gay, Ross Gay writes about the delight of loitering. He notes the sign in a Detroit cafe that reads, no loitering, no soliciting. And he gives thanks that the $2 he's spent on a coffee exempts him from this rule as he enjoys dozing in the afternoon sun there. He knows that he's kind of skirting the line of legality and he better not enjoy himself too deeply. He's doing something just a little bit dangerous but also delightful. Gay writes, the Webster's definition of loiter reads thus, to stand or wait around idly without apparent purpose. Among the synonyms for this behavior are linger, loaf, laze, lounge, lollygag, dawdle, amble, saunter, meander, putter, dilly-dally, and mosey. 
all of these words, he says, to me imply having a nice day. (laughs) They imply having the best day. They also imply being unproductive, which leads to being, even if only temporarily, non-consumptive. And this is a crime in America. Maybe that's why I love my courtyard loitering. It feels like I'm getting away with something, like having a meeting on the steps. So dangerous. So much enjoyment at no cost. There's something powerful and transgressive that can happen when we're idle together in that way. Ideas can bubble up. We can imagine things being different. We can imagine them being better. That's what this story from Exodus is all about. Just to situate it for you a little bit, this conversation between Moses and Pharaoh happens after God has called to Moses in the burning bush. After God has told Moses that God intends to free the Hebrew people, to lead them out of slavery. And this is step one. Go and ask Pharaoh for a week off. A journey of three days into the wilderness to worship your God. A week to gather, tell stories, sing songs, and pray to their God. To linger with one another on God's mountain. And Pharaoh wisely refuses. God has already told Moses that he will. And the reason he gives, one of the reasons is, there are so many of you. More of you than there are of us. In other words, Pharaoh says, you are powerful. You are a force to reckon with. And if you had the time to think about it, you might get it in your mind to fight back. You might get it in your mind to organize. You might get it in your mind to be free. So Pharaoh says, not only may you not have the time off, but I'm going to keep you even busier going forward. We're not going to give you straw anymore to build your bricks. You'll have to find the straw on your own. And Pharaoh tells the overseers, let heavier work be laid on them. Then they will labor at it and pay no attention to deceptive words. And I'm going to go a couple verses past what Bud read. The taskmasters tell the Hebrews the news, and it says, the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. Pharaoh is smart. He knows that dangerous things can happen when people are idle together. So he goes to like union busting 101, separate them and keep them busy. Lay on heavier work that scatters them across the country. And then they'll be too busy and too tired to pay attention to deceptive words. And what, of course, are those deceptive words? They're Moses' words. They're God's words from the wilderness. When Moses was dawdling out there, lollygagging by the burning bush, and God told him, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cry. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a land flowing with milk and honey. Pharaoh knows if the people gather, 
If they're allowed even a week off, this is the message they will hear, the deceptive words of divine truth. I hear your cries. I know your suffering. You are not made for slavery. You are made for freedom. A different way is possible. A better life lies ahead. Pharaoh knows that if the people have even a moment to listen, they will hear the truth about themselves and about their lives, and he will no longer be able to control them. Which, as Roske writes, points to another of the synonyms for loitering. Taking one's time. Taking one's time makes it plain. For the crime of loitering, the idea of it, is about ownership of one's own time, which must be, sometimes, wrested from the assumed owners of it, who are not you, back to the rightful, who is. Today marks the end of a month of jubilee at Bethany. We canceled all the meetings and walked and talked about rest for four whole weeks. I guess this makes five. And maybe it has felt a little frivolous to you, a little like, why are we spending so much time on this? A little lazy of your ministers to so publicly flaunt their indolence week after week from the pulpit. Or worse, maybe a little irresponsible in a month of mass shootings, in a month when the Amazon is on fire and a hurricane is bearing down on the southeast, a little irresponsible to waste our time on four weeks of rest, to take our time to loaf and laze and lounge in our courtyard when there is so much to do. When God tells the people to take a jubilee, to stop their work and free their slaves and let their land lie fallow for a whole year, God points back to this moment in Exodus. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Remember, you had more work than you could possibly do. Remember, you were oppressed and could see no way out. Remember, you were busy and scattered just the way the powers of injustice wanted it and you had lost all hope. Remember, the first step was to stop and to gather, to linger with each other for just a sec between your busyness. Remember when you took your time, it was my voice you heard. Remember that this new and better life hatched in those idle moments together. These are not deceptive words. This divine message is still true. If we hope for healing for ourselves and our world, if we hope for justice for all people, if we hope for a solution to the problems that feel unsolvable, the first step is to hang out in our basement together, to be idle with one another. See who we bump into. Listen for the divine voice which might bubble up between us. The first step is to hang out with each other in our courtyard. To say, oh, by the way, and lose track of time. To sit on the front porch and see who comes by. 
The social critic Bell Hooks is a believer in the power of porch sitting. In her essay, A Place Where the Soul Can Rest, she talks about it as a space of resistance, a feminine space of resistance to patriarchy, an anti-racist space which encourages civil discourse between different kinds of people. It was the way we all became acquainted with one another, she writes. The way we created community. In our small town, segregated world, we lived in communities of resistance where even the small, everyday act of porch sitting was linked to humanization. The porch is a space of resistance. The basement is a space of resistance to all the pharaohs that fill our world and all the pharaohs that fill our minds to all the voices that tell us we must do more with less, to all the taskmasters that want to keep us from recognizing our power, to all the signs and rules that forbid stillness and idleness. The porch is a space of resistance where we can silence Pharaoh and listen for a new imagination bubbling up between us. Hooks now lives on a hill by a lake, and she writes, The house and the porch have no passers-by. This is a porch for quiet and repose. It invites one to be still, to hear divine voices speak. Next week, we move inside for real, all the way into a sanctuary that proclaims on both sides, God is still speaking. We are a church that believes God is still speaking. Speaking of justice, speaking of freedom, speaking of comfort, telling the oppressed, I have heard your cry, I know your suffering, I have come to deliver you for something different, something better. These are not deceptive words, friends. They're the divine voice we hear when we stop and linger with one another. As we move inside off our front porch for this season, let's not lose that front porch energy. Let's delight in taking time together to listen.